0: What's the story behind the story? We'll find out on Dropping In. Our guests are today's original thinkers, conversations that spark new ways of seeing what's going on. We bring it all to the table. Diverse perspectives, controversy, loving, and singular voices. Magically, stories reveal the common threads that link us. Experience the joys, the fist pumps, the detours, and the hard-won truths of those who blaze the trail so that we might do the same. And now, here's your host, Diane Dewey. Welcome
1: to dropping in, everyone. It's the 8th of October, the number 8 being a symbol of infinity with its two interlacing circles. In Payal Doshi's new book, Raya and the Blood of the Nectar, there are seemingly endless worlds of wonder and magic. We meet Raya, a 12 year old girl living a simple, if boring, life on the tea plantations of Darjeeling, India. Without warning, Raya's life gets turned on its head when her twin brother, Rowan, goes missing. Determined to save him, Raya embarks on a secret adventure by portaling into the enchanted world of Estranthia. Well, to find out what happens, you must read the book, but here to talk about it is its author, Payal Doshi. Welcome, Payal. Great to have you with us.
2: Hi, Hi, Diane. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to be
1: here. That's lovely. Um, I found this to be uh, an empowering story. Um, And I I thought we'd get right into a couple of questions about um, Rhea being age 12. And then in Estranthia, the age of ascendancy to the throne is 12. I wonder if you could speak to us a bit about what is it about the magical age of 12. What's happening to us then and why did you choose it for Rhea?
2: Absolutely. You know, for me, um, whenever I think back to uh, my memories, my childhood memories, I don't remember what I was like as you a know, five-year-old or six-year-old. No personal memories of that time in my life, except well, my parents have told me. But what I remember vividly are my middle school years, you know, starting uh, 11, 12. And I feel that that time in our life is such a foundational period because I find that we are transitioning from being children into, you know, mini adults and making. And suddenly in this time in our life, we become hyper aware of the world around us, you know, in school, you're an 11-year-old and twelve year old and you 're suddenly aware of what 's you know going on around you, how you look, how others perceive you what 's happening at home, why your parents are fighting, uh, mm-hmm. who you want to be friends with, who you want what you want to do in life, what you don 't like to do, what you want to change, why someone is bullying you, you understand little bits of racism going on unfair there 's so many things that happen. Um, to us at that time in our lives, where we start realizing that the world is much greater than the little you know sheltered bubble that we were used to, and I find that it is you know it just makes for an incredible age to um, to explore and tell stories by because You also get the benefit of, you know, still there is an innocence in an 11- and 12-year-old. There is wonder, you know, they're still not jaded by the world. Uh, They think outside the box. If you lead them on a magical adventure, they're happy to follow you, you know, uh, suspend disbelief. And I find that um, in this age group, I can, you know explore the inner child in me and take uh, readers on this incredible, fun, fantastical adventure. But at the same time, I can dig deep into emotional subjects. Um, Rhea, for example, is uh, battling, um, you know, she's, she's, she's insecure. She's an introvert. She comes from a, you know, atypical family situation wherein uh, she, her dad uh passed away when she and her twin brother uh were just babies. Uh but nobody in her family talks about him. Uh whenever she asks her ama, who's her mom or Bazai who's her grandmom, they you know sort of just are very tight lipped about it, so she knows that there are some secrets there and nobody's telling her. Her mother is, you know, very uh, aloof. She seems to be battling her own demons. Mm-hmm. She isn't a very loving mother. And so Rhea is, you know, facing, she, she's going through that as well. And because of all of these different things, uh, she, uh, you know, is, is struggles to fit in. She has no friends. Her brother, her twin brother, you know, is, is, is completely different, as often twins are, or siblings even. Um, he's extroverted. You know, he has kind of moved on. He's understood that he's not going to know more about his dad and he has accepted that. And he's now moving on with his life. He's made friends, you know, he's he's doing well in school. And so there's all these things happening and and it's just such a prime age, um, to dive deep into this, um, to these deep topics as well as, uh, you know, have them go on an adventure. And to your other point, uh, as to, as and why, uh, the age of ascension is twelve I mean um, to be honest one one point uh was definitely just to to address the plot uh, because I was telling the story of a twelve year old it needed to die in, but you know twelve is also symbolic age in terms of um like again you know moving from being just children into growing to be adults. um it 's the time you know many girls um you undergo puberty, um, as do boys. It's, you know, it's that, that formative time, and so it seemed right to use that age in Astranthia as well. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it, and in, 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 in Astranthia, what happens is when the heir to the throne uh, turns 12, they have to sacrifice just a drop of blood on their sacred flower that fuels this entire realm and the magic in the realm, and the reason being, you know, 12 is this the, the symbolic uh, the, the beginning of youth and all of the, the, you know, strength and ripeness of youth that blossoms within us. Um, mm-hmm. So it felt apt to use twelve as that symbolic age in both these uh, narratives.
1: Mm-hmm. We don't want to give away the whole story, but it is, um, it is a momentous time when it seems as though there's a switch that gets turned on. And suddenly, yeah, we are aware of a world, um, out there. And I, I, I think, you know, in your book, there are two, there are two worlds. Rhea is, she is, having an arc of transformation. She starts out as being bitter about her standing as the twin of a brother who's, let's face it, he's met girls. He plays cricket. So does Rhea. And she happens to be very good at it. That comes in handy later mm-hmm. on in the in the book as well, that she's she is good at two things, cricket and puzzle solving. So those are yeah. two things that act in her favor. She's, I think, analytic and she um mm-hmm. she is in some ways physically unafraid so um she starts out being bitter she's got her mother and her grandmother their their favorite is her brother rowan and she's a loner who's built some world walls around her um Throughout the story, she evolves into a more accepting, more humble, more open-hearted girl. And I wondered if you mm-hmm. characterize this as an emotional journey as much as it was um, an adventure thriller, metaphysical journey.
2: Absolutely. One hundred percent, you know, that's what makes a story relatable. Um that's that's what makes you connect with a character. Um and it was very important that I make Rhea a character that a uh, kids can connect to. Um you know, back in India and as goes the stereotype with, you know, a lot of South Asian and Asian families across the world that uh, you know, we're you know, our parents just want us to be doctors and lawyers and engineers. And, you know, they put so much pressure on getting good grades and just being, you know, excellent at school. Um, and, you know, to a degree, that's that's pretty accurate. And I wanted and, and it is not true for most of us. You know, not everybody gets the you know top marks in schools. Um, and so Rhea was a mix of so many things. She I wrote her to be a character that was specifically not book smart in the sense that she gets, you know, she aces all of her subjects. Um, and so she faces that comparison with her brother, who is better at school than her uh, and constantly, you know, is deemed the dumber twin just because she doesn't score as well in school. And this is, you know, something that I grew up with uh, when I was back uh, in India. I grew up in Mumbai, and, you know, our schooling was, you know, we had a, I had a great schooling experience, but the biggest thing was just... At the end of the day, if you spoke to any, you know, older person, it was just about what were your grades? What were your grades? Um, and sometimes they weren't very good. And that affected you as a 12-year-old and a 13-year-old uh, because it just defined you. And so it was very important for me to write a character in which Rhea was not book smart, but To show that you don't have to just get good grades to be intelligent, you you can have so many different qualities. You can be curious. You can be like her. You know, she loves solving puzzles. She is athletically inclined. She can think analytically. She can think logically. She can think out of the box. Um, um, She's brave and courageous. And all of these things feed into who we become as individuals as opposed to just one thing. Mm-hmm. So that was very, very important for me to include in the story. And then also, you know, her her movement and her transition to the story and her growth was so important because we're all, you know, trying to be better versions of ourselves. And that, you know, starts even when we're as young as Danny, 11, 12. And are does start off as, you know, bitter and uh, she's a loner and she feels all of the injustices in the world are happening to herself. You know, she comes mm-hmm. from a very small family. She just lives with her mother, her grandmother, and her brother. Um, and, you know, in India, we have these big joint families uh, where we live with grandparents and oftentimes, you know, our uncles and aunts. And, you know, to her, like, she, her neighbor, Leela, who then, you know, later in the book accompanies her through this adventure, comes from one such family like that. And through Rhea's eyes, everybody's life is great. Leah, li- Leah lives in this big family and, you know, ha- she's happy and she's great. You know, her brother is having a great time. Everyone in school is great. So she just, you know, you, you do become, um pretty inward in your thinking at that age because you know you feel these big emotions and mm-hmm. I wanted to validate that those emotions are real you know if there's a 12 mm-hmm. year old there who's reading this book and feeling something uh similar to what Rhea's going through I wanted to say yes that's valid because mm-hmm. you know even I as an adult sometimes look at a you know 10 year old 11 year old and go like oh they're just you know they're children they're fine I mean you know what problems could you possibly have wait till you turn 20 kind of a thing but that's not true and mm-hmm. so I wanted her to go through these insecurities, you know, part of which are her own, um, you know, she has created in herself in which she has separated herself from um, friends and, you know, making friends and decided that she's just better off being alone. But that stems from the fact that she feels a bit abandoned. Her brother, who she was so close to and sort of joined at the hip while they were kids, is now going off and, you know, uh, living his own life. Um, her mother has you never really given her that emotional and loving support. uh she wants no more of her dad and she doesn't know, so she just feels alone and so she feels like she'd rather not invite anyone into her life lest they leave and she feels abandoned again and so she just creates these walls and through the through the book, it was really important for me to show readers that sometimes you know the world is bigger than who we are that her mother does have you know don't give too many too many things away but There are reasons for her mother's behavior, Um, you know, understanding that if you do, you know, let people in, friendship and family are such beautiful things to have. Um, And sometimes that it's not all just about you. Um, And so, yes, her emotional journey, uh, her metaphysical journey was an equally, if not even more important part of uh, the plot line. You know,
1: we can be 12 and we can be 42 and find out that we feel lost in a particular day and particularly friendless on a particular day or invisible because we don't feel as though our performance um, you know, metrics are measuring up to our peers or, you know, you're 32, Absolutely. but you haven't found somebody to love. And, you know, so you decide to sort of shut down on that. And, you know, I find these um, kind of characteristics, these moments of feeling uh, abandoned uh, to be quite universal at almost any age. I mean, your your book and your website, is it, it talks about, I mean, it's a wonderful website, um, com. Uh, middle grade author. So this is the middle grades, but I would say it's not limited at all to that. I wonder if you know whether your audience is in fact young audience or whether there are those of us who kind of pick up this book and say, wow, this is exactly the place I feel at this dreary Monday. And um, I'm not sure really where I am in the world right now uh, uh, because I haven't you know, had enough contact with my support network or I haven't reached out to anyone and why is that (laughs) you know I've created my own little my own little world do you know how it relates to people in the audience
2: yes you know it's so funny that you ask that because you know obviously when I wrote this book you know it's a children's book and that's how I approached it and I wrote it And then uh, when the book uh, was out in the world, most of my initial reviews were from adults. And it's so funny that you mentioned that, you know, uh, uh, just giving the example of a 40-year-old, I actually have a review from a 40-year-old woman, and she's written such a lovely review, and she said that she was so happy to have read the book and read about a character like Rhea, who is so introverted and who. Finds it so difficult to make friends, but still is validated in those feelings and is not knocked down for it. And she's like, I, for the first time, she said she felt seen in a book. And this is a, this is a 40 year old woman from, uh, I suspect the United States, uh, is connecting with a 12 year old fictional character, girl from India in a small little town in Darjeeling, and that just shows the beauty of books and literature. And this middle grade uh, age range, I often say it's for ages 8 to 99, because honestly, mm-hmm. if you enjoy, you know, uh, you know uh, this book can be enjoyed by anybody. Mm-hmm. It's not just a, you know, quote unquote children's book, um, it has so many layers and uh, and depths. I had, I remember when even just I announced the cover way back uh, in uh, September of 2019. Sorry, in 2020, September of 2020, when I launched the cover, the number of DMs I received from girls and uh, and mothers, saying that a they were so happy to see uh a girl like themselves you know a brown kid a uh, portrait on the cover of a book cause they ne- they've never seen that before they've never seen um Sure. Them having magic and, you know, uh, and it was just so great. I remember one girl rep- sent me a message saying that she was so happy to see Rhea specifically because that's how she wrote her name as well. There are different spellings with Rhea. You can have okay. R-H-E-A, R-I-E-A, yep. R-E-A-H. And she was like, mine is spelled R-E-A. And am so, so happy. She's like, I sent it to everybody I know. And, you know, at that moment, it, you know, it, it, it really, um,
1: it touched opened a bunch up of something
2: people. inside me. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I didn't realize this would have such a profound um, impact on a, anybody, in, you know, and, mm-hmm. and especially an adult and just in seeing even the cover and seeing how... How important it is to have that representation that you could be 30 years old and see this cover for, you know, essentially a kid reader and just instantly feel connected to it because you remember this time in your life. You, you know, all of us can look back into our middle school years and remember how we felt like. And- right. For so yeah. many of us who, you know, um, are not white, um, you know, born in the East, um, we, you know, I, and I speak for myself, but I, I know so many others like me who, you know, grew up loving reading and devoured yeah. books and ended up reading, obviously, you know, most of the children's books out there uh, were all, um, you know,
1: with
2: in Western countries. And yes, right. Exactly. Um, so also well, we just for face We have now. to wait.
1: We yeah. have to break now sure. for a commercial. I'm I'm sorry uh, to interrupt you, but um it is incredible the unassuming heroes that can emerge. And I think that this is one of them. And when we come back from the break, we're going to learn about sweeping, the act of swerving and weaving in traffic, but also getting certain messages encoded like puzzles in the form of dreams. Don't go away. We'll be right back on Dropping In with Payal Dovshi.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. She Writes Press is an independent publishing company founded for women writers everywhere. Together with sister company Spark Press, serving men and women, it is both mission-driven and community-oriented. The aim is to serve writers who wish to maintain greater ownership and control of their projects while getting the highest quality editorial help possible, traditional distribution, and an in-house marketing and publicity team. In 2019, She Writes Press was named Indie Publisher of the Year. You can find out more on SheWritesPress.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts, VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to Diane at DianeDewey.com. That's Diane at DianeDewey.com. Now, back to Dropping In.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Payal Doshi. She is the author of Rhea and the Blood of the Nectar. Uh, in the book, there are beautiful maps of this world and the other. So, Astrantia is the other world. It's a kind of a, it's, it's a magical world, a supernatural world. And then there's the more mundane world in the tea plantations where uh, Ria is picking tea with her mother in Maruk, Darjeeling. The two maps um, couldn't be more different from one another. One's very prosaic and commonplace. The Green Hills English School, the post office police station, the railway station. And then the other one has the valley of, in Astrantia, we have the Valley of the Mm. Fallen the Whispering Walls, the Leafless Forest, and the Royal Palace. Um, some, oh, and the Village of the Dead, which, by the way, comes mm-hmm. very, very much to life. The Desert of the Perpetual Dusk is right next door. Um, these are, these are, Beautiful graphic accounts of the two worlds. And they do interact from time to time. And one of the ways that they interact is um, this idea of uh, Sweden. Sweden is a dream revision that... Um, Rhea gets in her sleep messages that are in the form of coded secrets like puzzles. Um, but Sveven is also, <laughs> don't be Sveven in traffic, you, you'll get us all killed. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit, uh, Payal, about Sveven and about the idea that there are two worlds, maybe one subconscious where we're working things out, and the other is the more. Uh, the real, quote, real world. Um, do those do those ideas resonate with these two worlds for you?
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, and it's funny you mentioned Sweden because um, truth be told, when I was writing this book, when I was drafting it, I didn't even know the, that such a word existed. Um, <laughs> but I was, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, we don't know all of the words of the vocabulary of the English language. Um, but uh, you know, writing is rewriting. Writing a book is basically rewriting a book a million times over and just polishing every scene uh, to get it to the best that you can um, as as the writer. And uh, I remember I was, you know, I really wanted to, to make what well, Rhea was going through because she was getting these, you know, uh, vivid nightmares every night uh, ever since her brother disappeared. And you know, I wanted to make it quote-unquote realistic you know I wanted there to be a reason for that to be happening and then I have I was researching and you know uh trying to find out if these things happened in you know folklore or in Mm -hmm. really you know people do get nightmares and and then I chanced upon this word Sweden I just fell in love with it I'm such a word nerd I love I used to be a kid who would um carry a pocket dictionary with me wherever I went and Mm -hmm. eagerly look up a word that I didn't know um and so I was so excited when I found the word Sweden and I'm like, I have to put this in and it's, it's really cool that you picked up on it. Because nobody has ever asked me a question in all of these months uh, about Sweden. Um, and it's I, when I, when I read about words. it and how, how these can be messages from the beyond, uh, and funny enough, it, you know, it came to women. And then of course in, in, in the, in historical accounts of Sweden, they also sort of, uh, brush it off as you know, women just being weaker and uh, weaker dispositions, and and getting this. But I was like, no, 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 not my characters, um, oh. and uh, so I incorporated that in, and I thought it fit really well to tie both the worlds—the the, the world of Darjeeling and of As-Tranthia. Um and you know, I think our mind is, uh, you know, even in a metaphysical sense, um, so much of what we do is led by intuition and our analysis of things and, and our deeper thoughts of things. And um, it was, it, 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 it offered me a really wonderful way to connect Mm -hmm. the real and the fantastical, especially when Rhea transitions and, and, and in my, and I feel like it, it offers a, a good explanation as to how she leaves, you know, our realistic world and you know try, uh, go portals into this fantastical land um so mm-hmm. yeah for sure i think there's uh, all of those different worlds sort of playing together in uh in the book mm-hmm
1: yeah like chambers you know like chambers chambers of our mind but you know to um be portaling yeah. into a fantasy world who doesn't want that i mean it's no. it's obviously and right now in particular we'd really like to yes. portal into a fantasy world pretty oh, much yes. every day just to get away yes. from the pandemic and 100% and- the things that are far too much with us, but um, you know, the, in the in the portal and in the going to uh, Strathia, this is this is a place where she, she, Rhea, she really does face her demons, um, and I think this this idea of the true self. Um, coming coming into play that she learns about her jealousies of her brother. And where was that at when after he disappeared, she was like, Oh, really? Did I have to be so small-minded about him? Or, you know, her lack of friends. It was because she didn't want to risk anything. So she finally allows Leela into her world and you know, much to her benefit. I mean, there's a lot of softening of Rhea's personality. I wondered if this um, arc of self-discovery was one that you also experienced in childhood or merely wished that you had, um, as many of us do, and reflecting in the the attitudes we carried then.
2: Um, yes and no. Um, I think Rhea is an amalgamation of me and, you know, a few other people that I know very closely. Um, And I do remember being, you know, a bit selfish in school. Um, I, unlike Rhea, I I identify more with Rohan in that sense, and in the personality type, I'm more extroverted, you know, always have friends. My sister and a couple of other friends that I have who are very close to me, uh, you know, have been more introverted. And, uh, but I also... I went through that phase of being a bit, bit self-centered, <laughs> to be honest. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, you know, and uh, yeah, and and then coming out, you know, just growing up, and you know, as you grow older, and uh, you realize how sometimes that that wasn't, you know, it was. It's detrimental to others. It's detrimental to yourself, um, and that letting people in. I know that my uh, one of the, the the most, the fondest memories I have of my childhood and especially my schooling is I made some of my best friends in, when I was 12 years old that are my best friends to this day. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to include um, that, in that value and that, that, that incredible support system that female friendships can bring um, yes. to one's life, especially young girls. Uh, and so... I wanted to show, which, which I also find sometimes we don't see enough in, in children's books, is the yes. genesis of a friendship. We oftentimes mm-hmm. meet characters who already are best friends, you know, and we go on that journey, which is fantastic too. But I remember, uh, you know, having friends, uh, when I was like nine, 10, but still, you know, never really felt so closely connected to anyone. Uh, and then as I grew and, uh, you know, at once I was 12 and 13, um, I found my people, so to speak. Yes, and, your tribe. You know that it that yeah, it's your tribe exactly. And it takes time. Um, and it wasn't that I met them, and it was like oh, instant connection. We are best friends for life. No, but we went through so much, and we just got to know each other better. And then. And then once we hit that sweet spot, it was, you know, you're you're my ride or die. And I kind of want to show that for Rhea, um, being someone who was, you know, a bit selfish and self-centered and, you know, again, you're always thinking about yourself, which is kind of, I would say, true for many 12-year-olds who are trying to figure themselves out in this, you know, in their own uh, little, you know, space in life and in their world. Uh, yes. And to show how the importance of letting people in, you know, and that it's okay if you do get hurt even, that sometimes it is worth the risk. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we are, we, are, we are better when we are with, surrounded with friends and family and people who support us that we don't always have to feel alone, even though we mm-hmm. might feel alone. We don't have to let that just be our narrative um, and then show the importance of friendship and show how, and like with Rhea and Leela too, you know, if anyone reads the book, it, it wasn't smooth sailing, definitely not. We yeah. um, are definitely overthought so many of the things, but eventually realized um, and found, found her person in Leela, which I just, you know, it's just, just such a sweet and wonderful um, thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so, it yeah, was- I,
2: I wanted to bring that, I wanted to bring that importance of female friendships because I deeply felt that. And I think that it was because of my friends that I just, I softened up as a person. I, you know, you just become so much more tolerant and happy, happy, you know, and wonderful. So, yeah, definitely well, that came from my, my experiences.
1: That's very cool. Well, it's, it's easy to picture yourself as the lone ranger and you're all by yourself yeah. out here and nobody's coming to your rescue and, and this and that. And as you say, the narratives we tell ourselves, sometimes they're just entirely untrue. And for Rhea, yeah. you know, she, she also was in the predicament of wondering what had happened to her father. Um, who was absent from her life. And, you know, many girls are and boys are wondering the same thing. And it can make you Mm -hmm. harden, right? It can make you harden and and quicken and say, you know, now you've got a single mom and you've got to protect yourself. You know, you can't hurt that way again. Mm -hmm. Um, This is something you've got to defend. Uh, But this becomes like a sort of over-defense or over- Um, overcompensation, overreaction. And, you know, then everybody's sort of, there's the blame game, you know, this person. Meanwhile, you don't have any, you you don't really have the whole picture. And I think Rhea, in her predicament, she really captured that. She really didn't know the full story until she went to the magic land. And wow, Mm -hmm. what an eye-opener that was and (laughs) a I want to just give um, listeners the real-life short bio of Payal Doshi. You have a master's degree in creative writing from the New School in New York, one of the most respected um, in the country. You've lived in India, the UK, and the US, and um, you noticed a lack of Indian protagonists in global children's fiction. So one day, you wrote the opening paragraph to what would become this debut novel, uh, Rhea and the Blood of the Nectar. And um, you're you're currently in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota with your husband and three-year-old daughter, Nora, um, having been raised yeah. in Mumbai. And the thing that I was struck by, Payal, is um, not, not so much now talking with you and realizing how much breadth and scope you have, but I mean, the fact that you conceived of these stories as a series, there are more. In fact, um, the the next one is Rhea and the Sorcerer of Shadows. Um, So you've you've got a whole world here. I wondered, first of all, how did that come to you? What is it like living in an alternative world as a fiction writer? And How many do we have to look forward to because (laughs) this is a great adventure that Rhea is on?
2: Oh, thank you um well so it's going to be a trilogy Mm -hmm. and i'm currently drafting the sequel um and it's funny i mean i love i i just i love reading fantasy um as an adult and as a kid um and like you said you know it just offers you this this incredible escape but i mean who doesn't want magic let's be Mm -hmm. real um And so I knew from the get-go when I decided to write this book that it was going to be a fantasy adventure. It was also fueled by the fact that, you know, kind of like what I mentioned in my bio is that I never grew up uh, reading books that had Indian kids as the main characters and specifically Indian kids who were heroes who did these mm-hmm. amazing, phenomenal, fantastical things where they had magic and they saved realms and they wrote dragons and whatnot. You know, we just never saw ourselves. And so I wanted to change that because I wanted the kids to see themselves in books, but also as empowered and, you know, heroic characters. And mm-hmm. I love, uh, you know, I'm just, I, I even when it comes to reading, I, just, I love descriptive reading and descriptive writing. Um, I... It, the escape into my fantastical world, actually, was was very intuitive. I know it's such a, um, it feels like a cop-out answer, but it just, just it just felt so instinctive to me. Um, but, gosh, I have to say, building the world was not easy. I had a very vague idea. Uh, I knew from the get-go that it was going to be a very floral land, because uh, mm-hmm. I wanted it to be just this very immersive place. And I also chose Darjeeling in India specifically for that reason, A not very many people know about it. Um, uh, when they think of India, nobody thinks of Darjeeling. Um, India has a very stereotypical sort of, um, you know, visual to it. And I wanted to kind of break that and show that there are other parts of the country that are gorgeous and underrated. And I want to bring that to light. And Darjeeling is lush and, you know, and nestled in nature, you know, the Himalayas at the back. It's just beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I wanted to take that thread into Estranthia. And so that's, that's basically what I knew um, as the foundation of my magical world, um, and then as I spent more and more time in it, um, and as, as you know, since you've read the book, like uh, you know, flowers and, and, and nature play such a big theme in this in this book oh, yeah. as well. Kind of my yeah, my not the nature, just being you know, we we cannot live without her as much as you know, we as, as much. Is, uh, the, the advantage that we take of her and we don't, we disregard how important she is to our life. Um, right. in Astrancia, she is intrinsically connected to the lives of the land and the people. Um, and I kind of wanted to, you know, sort of show that, that we are that indebted to in nature and that we need to take care of her, um, for mm-hmm. our very own survival. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you know, and then just spending more time in this land and, and, and as I wrote scenes and I would think about ways in which I could incorporate more magical elements, elements that, um, you know, from a little clump, uh, that isn't a main oh, yeah. character, but just like a little tuft of grass that can walk and scurry around to a big, um, flying beast in the air. Um, yeah. it's just fun. It's just fun to, you know, let your imagination run wild, uh. And so I uh Yeah, so I absolutely love creating the magical world. But the funny story is when I, when I finished writing Rhea and I sold it to my publisher, um, I had written it uh with what they say in the publishing world with a series potential, which is it it closes up to the the, the, the plot points and the, the the you know, the mystery of the first book. But there is a slight opening for another book should there be another book. But I had yes. never thought of the entire outline of the series because I, I was like, I don't know. if You know, I had a, it was a very tough process selling the first book itself. And so I was like, I don't know if I should even, you know, will right. I ever get the chance? I did not know. Uh, but then once I sold the book and then, you know, I had a conversation with my publisher um, about six to eight months later. And she said that she wants the whole trilogy. Oh, well, she actually said she wants the whole series. And then she asked me, so wow. how many books will be there? And I was like, oh, um, <laughs> I'm had like, to say I, something. I think I'm an, uh, yeah, I'm Three. Say something. I'm like, you know, Three sounds good. I'm thinking, right? No, but I said five. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, I'm going to milk this. gonna get myself a publishing deal. I'm going to milk me like five books." Uh, and she was like, "Great, you know, send me an outline." And so I was like, "Oops, okay." Yeah. So now I we got gotta back do to the work, work, and I now I got to do the you got to do the work. And so then I started plotting the outline, and then I realized okay, there was no way I could I could I would take this into five books it would just a trilogy is poetic.
1: Too yes a trilogy yeah. is poetic and and might it suffice is. to satisfy our curiosity about raya for, for 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 the time being we're talking right now,
2: exactly
1: we're talking now with payal doshi and we're going to take a short break now but when we come back we're going to um, launch into i think we shouldn't quite go into the concept of global warming and interaction with our Uh, natural world um, in a few short bites but when we come back we'll tackle it and the abuse of power and where power really rests Um, because untainted power is the only magical power don't go away we'll be right back on dropping in America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast
0: on TuneIn. Books Forward exemplifies excellence in book marketing and promotion, representing New York Times bestsellers, national award winning books, and books that catch fire on social media and in the digital realm. Books Forward creates ambitious campaigns with unlimited possibilities for sparking buzz while creatively cutting through the noise. Your book deserves to launch with experts who have set the bar in the industry. To learn more, visit booksforward.com or send us an email at info at booksforward.com. A JKS communications company. Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to diane at diane That's diane at diane Now, back to Dropping In.
1: Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Payal Doshi, and um, we're talking about her experience of publishing the first book, which is uh, the first of a trilogy, thank goodness, because you leave us with cliffhangers every chapter and at the end is mm-hmm. well. well done, Payal. Uh, this is Rhea and the Blood of the Nectar. And when Rhea goes to Astranthia, uh Astrantia is a flower that grows in Central Europe and Southern Europe. Um, and into yeah. uh, Eastern Europe, right? And we just talked about the interaction, the interactivity of nature and man, the balance, and it's much more pronounced in the magical world, which is just as it should be, the truer world, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, and we, before the break, um, you know, we talked about your experience with your publisher, and I think we should mention that it is Mango and Marigold Press, which you uh, told me during the break is... Um, not only uh, female, but also South Asian. Um, And I I really, for Asian authors and, um, you know, this also the colors, right? The color of the marigold and mango, this beautiful orange, like a saffron color. I really loved that they were open to you uh, and that they embraced your, your worldview in this trilogy—I'm—I'm I'm thrilled about it, and I can't wait to read more. This um, idea of abuse of power and class injustice in Estranthea—you say magic is for the good of the people. This is the way, mm-hmm. and and the rest must be righted. Um, were you thinking about contemporary life politically, or? Um, any other way when you were addressing the theme of abuse of power and class injustice?
2: justice? Uh, 100%. Contemporary and historical. Um, you know, I... Well, contemporary, you know, I mean, just the state of the world today is a prime fodder for writing about abuse of power and people in power abusing their role. Um, mm. But also historically, you know, I come from India and we have grown up with the caste system, and mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, uh, religious politics between Hindus and Muslims, and this continues to persist, and I definitely drew from all of those experiences, and then, you know, even as I, uh, I've been living in the States for the last nine years now, and mm-hmm. drawing in from racial politics uh, in the States as well, and generally just the whole world, honestly. Um, Played a very important part in um, in creating the power dynamics um, in Australia. Um It's you know again, children's books can have so many layers, and and children are not dumb. You know they are really smart individuals, uh, and and are sponges really that can absorb information if you if you give it to them well and in a way that they can understand it and. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. I see power on two levels, micro and macro, and maybe a 12-year-old, you know, does not, may not fully understand it on the macro level or have experienced uh, some of the injustices of it on a macro level. Some might have as well. But definitely, on a micro level, we face it. We face it um, as kids going to school, and you know, authoritative power from your teachers and and principals, and perhaps from bullies in school. Um, and you know, it's, it it doesn't have to be just this, it, it, you know, a thing that's happening, you know, at, at the world level or the national level. Right. Um, and so, power pol- and your you know, parents play into power politics. Siblings, play. I mean, it's it's around us. Constantly uh, mm-hmm. at your job place, your workplace, you know. So uh, so it, it was drawn yeah. from all of these different places. And also the fact that, um, you know, Rhea battles this in, in Darjeeling and she sees sort of a mirror image in Astrancia where, you know, when you come from lower-income families, you're just carrying this burden that you've basically been born into and it, it just acts against you. Um, For no good reason, for no fault of yours, rather. You have to break out of it. Um, And, you know, in Astransia too, uh, with, you know, again, not giving too much away, but the ruler is very, you know, openly misusing her power and very little can be done about it
1: right and you know that is the kind of runaway train feeling that you have with some world leaders as well um i i think that yeah. you know that, that you you've hit on a point that you're now you know putting into the mind's eye through reading of young citizens future citizens of the world um to seek social justice to rise up rather than to yeah. ride along with the status quo and that you know i think is heroic in and of itself um i i think that um you know i loved also this point um this is in Astranthea, where as you say the queen she's whoa she is really off a rocker (laughs) but i mean not in a way that's entirely unfamiliar to us and sadly um but, but here's the point that you make the royal blood flows in poor and rich alike they need to awaken it by becoming our true selves and this is a truth that I think is extremely powerful. I wonder if you just address for us the power of stories, because you've already in you've allowed one of your characters, Poppy, to say stories are the gateway that open your mind to think differently and question what people have stopped yeah. questioning.
2: Absolutely. What's your take on the
1: meaning of stories then? Mm-hmm.
2: 100%. Um you know exactly uh, I I it was very important for me to make it very clear that magic ran in every individual regardless of um caste community creed race religion culture. Uh and that is you know very much a open metaphor. To the world we live in today, which is that each of us have in us the potential to achieve greatness and be our best selves, regardless of what we look like, where we come from, what people think of us, what people want to think of us, um, that we have that power within us, each of us, and it is up to us to unlock it very much in the same way that in Astrancia, everyone's born with it, but you do have to go through a series of, you know, trials and tribulations, like a sort of overcoming your own weaknesses and your own, um, you know, and opening up your own sort of qualities of courage and selflessness and loyalty and, you know, uh, achieving your true best self to uh, be able to wield power Um and, I want, and that's what I wanted to tell kids, too, that even having magic is not as simple as, oh, I have magic, now I have a wand, let me, you know, say a spell, and boom, I have magic. Mm-hmm. Um, nope, you have to work for it. Um, you got to be, you know, you have to work hard for it. It, it, it takes determination. It, it'll take a lot out of you. Uh, but if you persist, you will achieve your goals. Uh, and so that was the undertone with the magic system i didn't want it to be an easy fix for anybody um and for uh for the queen as well, you know she is uh she- She's, uh, she, she's pretty, pretty ruthless, uh, mm-hmm. but there, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, we don't go into a very deep backstory in book one. We have more of that in book two, but you do get a sense that she too is battling her own insecurities and that there is more to her story. And she's not just being evil for the sake of being evil. Like there is something there. And I mentioned, uh, you know, one of the rules in Astranthea, uh, especially in, uh, with, with, with in terms of uh, who ascends the throne in Atlanta? Mm-hmm. it isn't just the firstborn, it's the one who has a child first. And I, I specifically put that in, uh, the, a little complicated twist there, uh, mm-hmm. to show that, um, you know, sometimes traditions and things that we have just long accepted as, you know, as is, can be questioned and oftentimes should be questioned. As should you know, people in power should be questioned if they're not uh, following through with their promises. And traditions and old customs that don't fit with our new way of thinking should be questioned. Uh, you know that may have worked well in Astria for all those years, but the, the Razia, the queen, is rightly uh, you know allowed to be quite upset about their rule because she is firstborn. But just because she didn't have children means she isn't. Uh, rightfully heir to the throne, which really does seem unfair, um, and kind of again, so many of our you know, it, this is it was also sort of uh, to parallelly show that sometimes, especially for women, we have so many of these expectations put on us, society, family-wise, our own selves. We have to do, you know. A, B, C things in that order, in order to be considered successful. Um, and if you don't have, you know, a family or a husband or a partner or a child or a great job and all of these different things, you're just, you're considered less. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's just, it's, it, it's just ridiculous is what it is. And so... Yeah. Um,
1: You've turned that so, on its ear, yes. 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 Well, yeah. we... Exactly. We have- Yeah, well, we have just a few minutes to close, and that in and of itself is hard to believe, but I think you've taken us really um, much closer to understanding maybe our own empowerment and our own latent magic, as you say, Um, Regardless of these uh, arbitrary sort of uh, cages that people put us in in terms of, yeah, expectations, what we're supposed to do, Um, and um, also that you've you've allowed us to see Rhea and Rhea come into our own, not that everything is perfect afterwards, and you've also given us a subtle... A subtle villain, the queen. She is not, you know. Yeah. There, she's coming from a place too, right? And so maybe understanding yeah. her, yeah, her misshapeness is probably very helpful towards, um, you know, developing compassion and understanding ourselves even better. We have just a couple minutes to our close. Um, this has been a ten-year journey for you, uh, and you yeah. created your your own tradition of storytelling. I wonder if you have any quick words of advice for people who might want to take this journey of imagination.
2: Oh, yes. Uh, My biggest piece of advice to anyone who wants to write a book is to start writing it. And for those who are in the process of writing a book, uh, do not stop. And by that, I mean, especially in the first draft that you're writing, um, it's very tempting to go back and Edit what you've written and, you know, revise what you've written to perfect it and then move on. Do not do that. First drops, Mm -hmm. remember, are just meant to be terrible. So keep writing until the very end, no matter how horrible you think the words are on the page. Uh, But it's so important to get to that finish line because once you do, you have a whole story down, however messy. Uh, But once you have that down, you can then go back and mold it. If you never reach that finish line in the first draft, and it is one of the reasons why it took me 10 years to write, it's because I would go back and revi- I would write four chapters, I would go back and revise it, and spend all of that time, and then I would write the next four chapters and go back and revise all the eight chapters. And um, what ended up happening is, once I finished writing the whole draft, so much of what I had tediously spent revising, I had to delete because it didn't fit right. with the storyline and it didn't. Well, so keep writing to the end.
1: It's Great. Not, it's not Thank good you. Thank you, Payal Doshi. It's been a pleasure having you. We Thank you, um, Diane. This
2: was wonderful.
1: It's been great fun. Your social media handles um, Payal Doshi Author on Twitter, Payal D. Writes, and Facebook is PL D. Writes. So um, look or look her up on author.com. Thanks to our engineers, Matt Widener and Aaron Keller, to our executive producer, Robert Cialino, and most of all, to you, our listeners. Remember to stay safe and use your untapped powers. Till next week. Thank you for dropping in.
0: Thank you so much for dropping in. Please join Diane Dewey again next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you then.